last song and we were uh, talking about just this, this idea of just resting in God, of just leaning back into who God is, um, it really was impressed upon me. Uh, this is something that I do very regularly. I just spend time resting in God. I spend time resting in the presence of God. And as I was, um, as we were all singing that song together, it became very clear to me, um, the Lord just kind of reminded me of some of the process that I had to go through to learn to do that. And I know that, that, that this is not something that comes easily. Resting in God, finding a place, finding the time where we just lean back into who God is and we rest there. We don't come with an agenda. We don't come with our list of wants and needs. And we just come to this place where we allow the love of God to wash over us and flow through us. It's something that we need to learn to do. It's difficult for us as Americans. It's difficult for us in our go, go, go society to be able to just take the time to just sit still and to be still in the presence of God. We don't like silence. If I'm quiet up here for too long, all of a sudden it gets awkward. What's he doing? <laughs> Why isn't he saying anything? But God wants to just draw us away to this place where we lay everything behind. We come into his presence so that he can pour his love on us. Uh, Derek Prince said, if you have 10 minutes to pray, spend eight minutes worshiping. <laughs> and then the two minutes praying. We can say a lot in two minutes. And here's the, here's the import of what he said, is that when we worship, we bring our heart to a right place and a right standing with God. Right? And so if we were to just pray and we jump into prayer and we pray for 10 minutes and we're, we're praying for something, but we're praying for it wrong because we haven't gotten the heart of God yet. Whereas if we take eight minutes and we worship God and we put him first and we say, your name is holy. Jesus, how should we pray? Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, how holy is your name? Right? The first thing that Jesus said to do was to worship God. So if we spend that first period of time worshiping God. It brings our heart into alignment with his heart so that when we begin to speak, we're speaking the thoughts of God. This is, this is the tabernacle of David from the Old Testament. How did he even do that? Ah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. We need to be a people who learn to rest in him. I want to encourage you uh, maybe you've done it before. Maybe you've tried it before or you didn't like it. Try it again. <laughs> Try it again. Do it again, right? Kids eat broccoli. They don't like their broccoli. Eat the broccoli again. You're going to like it. <laughs> Put some salt on it. Eat it. Kidding. Not kidding. All right. So we're in our Engage series. Today's topic is Engage Culture. We've been going through the vision. This is, our, this is the vision for redeeming love, to engage God to engage church, and to engage culture, to connect in a deep and intimate level with first God, then church, then culture. We connect with God. Not, this isn't just like 
I, I know something. No, this is deep. Like we want to engage means deep. It's a deep connection with God. When gears are engaged, the engine moves, the wheels move, right? When, when we're engaged with God, God moves, we move. That's the import here. We want to be so connected with God that when he moves, when he does something, he leans to the left, we lean to the left. Engage God, this deep, intimate connection. Then we engage with church. This isn't just about attending on a Sunday morning, although that's great. Get into an engaged group. Find someone who you identify with and run together with them. Engage church. Engage with one another. Ecclesia, the church is the ecclesia. It is the, it is the body of believers. It is the called out ones. You guys are the church. So when we engage church, it's not that we're engaging the building. We are engaging with one another. Look to your left. Look to your right. These are the people. This is the church. This is engaging church when you connect with one another. And then finally, we engage with culture. Engage with the world around us. I ask this question, why am I here? Why am I still here? Why am I here? I'm here to change the world around me. What did Jesus, how did Jesus pray? We already brought it up once. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does the will of God come to the earth? Through you, through me, through us, through the church. It's the church that's here that is to affect and change and shape the world around us. And it has over the last 2,000 years. And it will continue to until the day that Jesus comes back. There will never be a day where the kingdom of darkness is more powerful than the kingdom of light. There will never be a day when the evil one is more powerful than God in heaven. There will never be a day where we, the believers, walk out and we're able to be defeated. That day can't happen. That day can't happen. We are overcomers. We are victorious. We are the ones to win. And we need to take our place. We need to go forth. We need to engage with culture. And this is what I want to talk about today, is that when we engage with culture, we're not just going to connect with the world and say, hey, it's okay this way. No, we go out into the world to transform the world into what God wants it to be. We literally become God's ambassadors in the earth, and we bring heaven to earth. We carry heaven with us. Put it in your pockets. And when you go out, just throw it, start throwing it out. It's not like that, but it's kind of like that. We go into the secret place with God. We come here, we worship him. We get filled up with God. And then when we go out into the world, we affect change all around us. All around us. Glory to God. <sighs> Glory to God. James 4, 4 says this, adulterers and adulteresses, do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so when we say that we want to engage with culture, when we say that we want to engage with the world, we're not saying that we need to be a friend with the world. We need to be friendly in the world. I mean, we don't want to go out and be offensive, the gospel may be offensive, but we don't want to be offensive in the way we bring it. We don't want to be a friend of the world. We want to influence the world in which we are. 
We want to influence the world in which we find ourselves for Jesus, for his kingdom, for God. We want to transform the world we find ourselves in. We want God to come and have his way in the earth. We want to do everything that we can so that the kingdom of heaven can come to earth. That God's will would be done in the city of Troy as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? That's the way we want it here on the earth. No sickness in heaven. No sickness in the earth. No wars in heaven. We want there to be no wars here. Whatever it is that, that heaven, we claim that for our city. We're not seeing it yet, but we're believing for it. John 3, 16, we all know this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's great. What's John 3, 17 say? 18, 19. It says this. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Right? Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation. But that the world through Jesus might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We want to bring the transforming power of Jesus Christ to the hurting and to the lost to the least, to the last, to anyone who doesn't know him. You know, there was a day in my life, 30 years ago, where I was condemned, where I didn't believe, where I was on the wrong side of the equation. And someone invited me to church. This pretty girl said, hey, you want to go to church? And I was like, of course. And I came to know the Lord. And everything changed. I was transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. But someone had to tell me. Someone had to share God with me, share Jesus with me. Someone had to invite me to church. It's us, it's you. It's me. We are the ones that need to be inviting someone else to church. Hey, get them here for whatever reason. Hey, you should come out and hear our, our, our rock band. It's awesome. They play every Sunday. What? Get them here. I will preach the gospel. I will make a, a, a I've told you this before. You get them here, God will get them saved. I will preach the gospel. We will make that invitation call every single Sunday. And people will be saved. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to engage culture with me and invite people to church. Preach the gospel. We need to learn to preach the gospel. We need to learn to make disciples. Our, our small groups that we have, our engaged groups, this is the best place for discipleship. If you've been, here, if you've been uh, either here at Redeeming Love for a while, if you've been a Christian for a while, and you're not walking in the fullness of what it means to be a Christian, Get into an engaged group. 
This is where discipleship happens. We, didn't, we don't just put these groups out here because we want to have, you know, uh, another time to get together, another time to hang out. We don't, we're, this isn't just for fun. I mean, it, it is fun, but it's not just for fun. We have fun with everything we do. I have fun with everything I do. I don't know about the rest of you. Come on. Discipleship. Discipleship. You know, I was talking with Pastor Tom, talking with Jamie, and what is, what is your favorite part of being a pastor, right? This is what I asked Pastor Tom. Jamie, what's your favorite part of serving here at Redeeming Love for the past five and a half years? What's your favorite part? What's your favorite thing to do? And as I'm asking them and I'm getting their answers, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself and I'm asking the question of myself, you know what my favorite part of this whole thing is? Being a pastor, everything we do, you know what my favorite part is? It's engaged groups. Man, when we're sitting there in the circle and it, it's more interactive than it is here on a Sunday and somebody asks a question and the answer comes and the light goes off and you're like, wow, you see the light go off? Yes, I pay money to see that response. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm working for. I want the realities of the Bible to come alive for every single one of you. And it happens, some, sometimes it happens here on a Sunday morning. Sometimes. But when you're in a small group and, and you see, you can, you're talking, this two-way conversation, all of a sudden the light comes on. Like, what? No, wow. Love it. Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite part. Get into a small group. It's not just an advertisement. I'm, I'm really, you got to do it. You want to grow up into all that God has called you to get into an engaged group. There's nine engaged groups this semester. There's something here for everyone, something for men, something for women, something for families, something for 20s and 30s, something for people who want to activate their spiritual gift, parents, people who are struggling with finances. We've got it all, I think. Come on, good stuff. Good stuff. Amen? Amen. John 17 says this, I have given them your word. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And so here it is, John 17. God has positioned us, you and I, in the world. We are not of the world. We don't agree with the things that the world says. We don't agree with the things that the world does. We don't agree with necessarily everything that's going on in culture today. We don't agree with most of where culture's going today. I would say if you're really following a biblical, biblical lifestyle, we don't agree with a lot of the transformations that are trying to happen, but we are going to because God has called us to remain in this place and we're going to take our stand. We're gonna nail our feet to the floor. We're not gonna give up another inch. We're gonna hold back the, the, we're gonna hold back the enemy and we're going to say not one more inch. Not one more inch. Not one more inch. Not in my city, not in my town, not in my family, not in my church. Blood, blood washed, the enemy has no power here. 
You are the church. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The enemy has no power against us. We have to come to this understanding and this realization. And then we just need to stand in the place of our authority. And we just need to begin to execute. Execute our authority. Start to speak about the authority that we have. Start to break the powers of darkness over our city. Start to break the powers of darkness over our family members, over our family. Start to break the powers of darkness that exist. Uh, the war that we fight is not in the natural, but it's in the spiritual realm. We need to learn to war in the spiritual realm. We need to learn what spiritual warfare is all about. We need to learn how to effectively fight the battle, fight the good fight of faith. How's your sword? I hope it's sharp. It's the word of God. I've been encouraging you guys for as long as I've been the, the senior pastor here. You guys need to read your word. You need to memorize your word. That's never going to change. You guys need to read your word. You need to memorize your word. How sharp is your sword? How much scripture do you have memorized? Judith's got this great idea. She's like, I can't memorize scripture, but you know what I can do? I can write it down on three by five index cards, and when something comes up, I'm going to pull out my index cards, and I'm just going to read through them. That's great. You know, you can't, God hasn't given you the mind to memorize scripture the way that he's given me the mind to memorize scripture. Write it down in index cards. Pull it out. Get your U version. There it is. Get your U version worked up. And, and you can go in there. I don't do this. You can go in there and you can highlight stuff. And then you can classify it. Like you can highlight everything blue and say that's going to be, you know, uh, scriptures that I want to pray when I'm talking about, when I'm praying about finance. Then you can highlight red and say, these are scriptures that I want to pray when I'm talking about healing. You can highlight yellow, and then you can say, these are scriptures that I want to pray about when I'm talking about family. Then you can highlight some. There's a bunch of colors. I don't know how many. But you can highlight all this. Then you can go in, and you can click on the, the yellow. Let's say the red. You can click on the red. Somebody's sick. You click on the red. All your healing scriptures pop up, and you just start to pray the scriptures. You can do this in version. Three by five cards. Your you version's too sophisticated. You don't like the computer thing? Three by five cards. Great. Get a notebook. Just, just start to devour your word. Start to eat it. Like, eat it. Eat it. Eat it. You can't get enough of it. I just got a, another Bible. <laughs> I have, I don't know, a lot. 16, I think. But I got another one. I had mentioned that I wanted an NLT because it reads really easy. And uh, it came in the other day, and I was just like, <sighs> I just love the smell. This one doesn't smell as good. It's old. It's got too much of my hand on it. <laughs> the inside still smells good. I'm addicted to the word. I'm addicted to the word. If there's anything that I can be addicted to and have it be good, it's the word. And I'm addicted to the word. I read it morning, noon, and night. Scriptures are constantly running through my mind. When somebody asks me a question, the first thing that normally pops into my head is a scripture. It's just what God has done in my life over 30 years. From the very first day that I got saved, God began by putting a Bible in my hand and I began by memorizing scripture. My very first Bible, within a year, it broke at Matthew chapter 6. Split right in half. Because I had read it so many times. That's what God did with me. He did it for a purpose. He did it for a plan. He did it for a reason. But he wants you to know the word just as well. 
God may have not have given you that mind to memorize scripture, but he's given you different tools that you can use. We need to know, be people who know our word. When we go out and we engage with culture, we need to know the word of God. When we see the world happening around us, we need to be familiar with the word of God so we know what we're seeing. Does what I see line up with what the word says? Is this okay? It's not okay. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to proclaim the word of God. And John 17 says that I will be hated because of it. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. When you proclaim the word of God, when you say the name of Jesus, it makes people suddenly very uncomfortable. You can say any other name. You can say any other name. Muhammad, Gandhi, the whole list, there's a long list. You can say any other name. And it doesn't stir up the hatred, the anger that the name of Jesus stirs up. Why is that? Because as soon as you say the name of Jesus, they know where you stand. As soon as you say the name of Jesus, there is a righteous standard that you are bringing to the room that hasn't been yet brought. And as soon as you bring that righteous standard, people become uncomfortable. Not okay anymore. He loves Jesus. He's going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do. I'm not. God is. God's the one who sets forth the righteous standard. And he doesn't do it because he's mad at us or because he wants to steal our fun or because he doesn't like you. God's righteous standard is for your own protection, is for their own protection. The protection of those people that are out in the world that don't want to follow him. God has a righteous standard so that they can live. God is going to remove insecurity. There's, um, God spoke to me, there's, several, there's a bunch of people in here uh, that this word is specifically for you. God is going to remove insecurity. 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 He's doing it. He's doing it right now. He's doing it today. Let's just all close our eyes for one minute. Raise your hand. Come on. God wants to remove insecurity from your life. God wants to remove insecurity from your life, whatever it looks like. Doesn't matter what it looks like, it's not okay. We don't need to have self-confidence, we get to have God confidence. Insecurity's gotta go in Jesus' name. Insecurity's actually a form of pride. Insecurity's gotta go in Jesus' name. When you have insecure thoughts, keep your, keep your eyes closed, keep your hands raised. When you have insecure thoughts, your thoughts become what, are, what do they think about me? They think poorly about me, 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 I, 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 I. And it just all points back to self. It's actually selfishness. It's pride. Insecurity is actually selfishness and pride. Break that in the name of Jesus. God is breaking that right now in the name of Jesus. By his grace, we come to a place 
where we stand in the confidence of God. You may laugh at me. You may do whatever, but God has called me to do this. God has called me to lift my voice. God has called me to sing and dance and shout in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Receive that. Let insecurity fall away in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Acts 17, 6. I love this story. I just cut out this one verse. They're looking for the apostles, and it says, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren's brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. As Christians, we're called to turn the world upside down. As Christians, we're called to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and is contrary to what the world would think. The gospel is always contrary to what the world would think. The, the thoughts that Jesus thinks, the things that Jesus says are different than the way that we think. They don't line up. As a matter of fact, they're, they're not close at all. Jesus says, you live by dying. He says, you receive by giving. You go higher by going lower. And if you want to be first, you better be last. And the way to be the leader of everybody is to be the servant of all. It's completely contrary to our own way of natural thinking. Every time. And so we always have to come back and say, God, what's your thought? God, what's your thought? God, what's your thought? And when we bring the word of God, when we bring the things of God to bear on culture, when we engage culture, it's going to look like we flip the world upside down, that we're turning everything on its head. But it's God. It defeats the powers and the principalities of the world because they don't know what to do. They don't even know how we got there because we didn't get there. God put us there. And so we can have confidence as we engage God that we don't even have to do it in our own strength. He gives us the grace to perform it. He opens doors that no man can shut, and we walk through them. Are you walking? There's doors open. There's windows open. Are you availing yourself of the opportunities that you've been given? There is a door open for you. What's your name? What's the call of God upon your life? He is opening doors before you right now, and you're to be stepping through them. Don't stand still in this moment. Don't stand still in this moment. Start to move. Start to move. Start to move. There's movement going on all over. Start to move. Because God is doing things. He's opening doors. And the darkness will be defeated. He's going to be defeated. He'll be defeated in this hour. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I read this scripture to you guys all the time when we talk about engaged church or engaged culture. And we should. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Jesus has received all authority. He shares it with us. He commissions us. We have the great co-mission. We get to do this mission, this mission of evangelism and discipleship of all nations. We get to do it together with Jesus. He won't do our part and we can't do his part. We do it together. So we're in this great commission to save the world. And God wants to do it with you, with you, with you, with you, with, with all of us. He wants you to work with him to save the world. He wants you and me, us, to work with him to save the world. Someone had to do it for me. Someone had to do it for you. At some point, someone invited you to church. At some point, someone said something to you about God. At some point, someone sowed a seed somewhere along the way. And now you're here. And now we get the opportunity to go out and to do that with someone else. One of the great mistakes that we make when we go to execute the Great Commission is that, and Billy Graham had pointed this out. Billy Graham, toward the end of his life, he said, if there was one thing that I could do different, I would make disciples and not converts. Go into all, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of the things that I have commanded you. We believe in the discipleship process here at Redeeming Love. We are activating the discipleship process here at Redeeming Love. I want to invite you on a journey with us. We're on this journey to find God. We're on this journey to find more of God. We're on this journey to see God pour out his spirit in this place in a more manifest way. We're going to be preaching on the presence of God next week. But one of the things that's so important is that we have a heart for the lost, that we have a heart for the unsaved, and that we engage God in this discipleship process on both ends of the spectrum. 2022 is going to be a year where we learn to share the gospel outside these four walls. We're going to have small groups in the summer that are going to be street preaching small groups. We're going to go into the, 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 the streets. We're going to find people where they're at, and we're going to talk to them about Jesus. We're going to learn to do it. We're going to teach you to do it. We're doing it. This fall, give, I'm laying out the calendar. The calendars are all laid out. This fall, we're doing um, walk across the room for small groups. We are going to teach you how to connect with someone about Jesus. How do you start that conversation with somebody that's in the grocery store? How do you share your testimony? Sharing your testimony is one of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel to somebody else. You're basically saying, when you share your testimony, you're saying, this is what God did in my life. He can do it in yours too. How do we do that? We're going to learn. We're going to learn. That's what this year is all about. Get plugged in. Get connected. Here's the process of discipleship. Years ago, I connected myself with Pastor Tom. I grabbed a hold of his coat. That's why it's wrinkled at the bottom. And I wouldn't let it go. And I said, teach me how to follow Jesus. Teach me how to follow Jesus. Teach me how to follow Jesus. 30 years later, I'm still here. And now there's young people that have gathered around me and they've grabbed a hold of my coat. It's not as wrinkled as Pastor Tom's. 
they've held on. And now they're saying, teach me how to follow Jesus. Teach me how to follow Jesus. Teach me how to follow Jesus. And it's not a process, guys. It's not a process that happens in one small group. It's not a process that happens in one small group. We've been walking together for 30 years. There's still things that I'm learning. I was reading James chapter 5 the other day. And it says uh, it's heavenly versus demonic wisdom. And that was revelation to me. I'm like, well, there's wisdom from, that's demonic. It's like, better watch out what you're learning. And it said that heavenly wisdom is, and it, it makes this list, and it says one of the things that heavenly wisdom is, is it's willing to yield. And I immediately thought of Pastor Tom. It's the discipleship process. It's still going on. I read my word. And it says, James chapter 5, that heavenly wisdom is willing to yield. And I say, what does that look like? And I saw it in Pastor Tom's life for 30 years. Like, that's what it looks like. That's how... It's beautiful. This is discipleship. How do I know how to follow Christ? Because I've had an example, and I, des- I, I, and, and I position myself to be an example for many others. There's discipleship on this end, and there's discipleship on that end. I want to invite you guys today. It's one of your engaged card points. This week, I will. I want to change that. This year, make 22, 2022 your year. This year, I will disciple one person. Just find one. Just find one person that you can disciple. I'm telling you, if we all went out and found one more person to sit beside us in church on a Sunday morning, what would happen to the number here? It would double. It would double. Find one more person to disciple. When they don't show up, you call them. When they don't show up to small group, you call them. When they don't get into a small group, you say, hey, let's go join this small group together. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Hey, Jonathan and and his armor bearer did it. They're like, hey, why why should we sit here and die? Come on, let's go out to the mountain. Maybe maybe God will do something, right? This, This is where it gets dangerous in a good way with God. You know, you go out into the wherever it is you're gonna go and you're like, hey, who knows, maybe God will do something. And you go with your buddy, Jesus send them out two by two, and you're like, hey, let's just go walk through the mall and pray. Maybe God will do something. The next thing you know, you start praying for somebody. Somebody gets healed. Power of God comes down, and you just had church in the mall. You just had church in uh, the, the, uh, the Troy Market. You just had church in Walmart. Church can be anywhere. The power of God shows up and things change. This year, commit with me. Commit with me to to disciple one person. Find just one person. Teach them how you follow God. You're like, but I'm not good at it. That's okay. Find someone. So here's the secret is that you don't have to find, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to find someone who doesn't follow God as well as you do. And then invite them along to follow God with you. It's really that simple. I'm not perfect at it. Neither am I. Neither is Pastor Tom. What did Paul say? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? Paul's saying basically, hey, listen, I've got a lot of flaws. I've got a lot of things that aren't cool. 
and just don't pay attention to those things, but pay attention to the things that I do right. Follow me as I follow Christ. Glory to God. We need to be a people that engage culture. We have to. It's part of our mission. It's part of our mandate. It's part of, our, it's part of who we are. It's part of who God has called us to be. Matthew 28, go into all of the world. Preach the gospel. Mark 14 says, preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. So we will fulfill the Great Commission. Whether we do it well or whether we do it poorly, we will do it. And we will learn and we will learn to do it better. And we will engage with culture. And we may not be liked. But that's not a reason to not do it. When they don't like you, take solace in the fact that they're not not liking you. They're not liking the message. You guys are wonderful. If they really got to know you, they'd love you. Amen. One, one word that the Lord's given me before I, I call Pastor Tom up to take the offering this morning. Lillian, the Lord just uh, gave me a word that you have not yet begun to see the goodness of God. Uh, there is uh, something that has changed in you. God has done a work. Uh, you have come to this place where you are beholding the, the, the Lord, the beauty of the Lord. And the Lord just wants to, the Lord's so happy, but he just wants to know you that you've just scratched the surface that there is so much more here uh, for you to find and that well runs deep. And 2022 is gonna be a year of you going deep and discovering the depths of who God is. So just be ready and be open for that. And that smile is just gonna be like, you're not gonna be able to stop it. Your cheeks are gonna hurt. You're gonna be like, can I please just stop smiling for one second? So that's good, amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, that you have given us the strength, that you have given us the authority, and that you have given us the mandate to change the world. God, we step into our calling as the church, and God, we step out to fulfill that calling in Jesus' name. God, we want to be your ambassadors on the earth. We want to be those who would bring heaven to Troy. As it is in heaven, let it be in Troy. God, whatever it is that we find in heaven, we want to find it in Troy. God, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, let us be your workers for the kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Tom, come.